I want to talk to you today from the book of Hosea. And I just want to um, bring a word of encouragement to you from the word of God. The book of Hosea, chapter 6, verse 1, says this. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he has torn us and he will heal us. He has smitten us and he will bind us up. After two days or a few days, he will revive us. And on the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know. Listen to these words. Then shall we know. If we follow on to know the Lord. I want to repeat that statement. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning. And he shall come unto us as the rain. As the latter rain and the former rain in the earth. Then shall we know. So I want to talk to you today a little bit about going on to know him. The important thing about that statement is this, that every one of you, everyone in this room, everyone who's watching by broadcast, everyone who has any kind of walk with the Lord, if you just came to Jesus today, if you are brand new in your relationship with him, or if you're one of a, 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 like some of us who've walked with the Lord for many, many years and, and who have studied the word of God and, and who know him and know of him and under, have some understanding of him, wherever you are in that spectrum, there is a call from the Spirit of God that you would go on to know. That you would move on from where you are. The Lord never brings you to a place and says, all right, you're, you're good in your walk with Him. The Lord has not brought you to the place that in your walk with Him that the Holy Spirit now says, all right, good is good enough. There's always a place in the life of the believer to go on to know Him. So I want to uh, just unpack this passage of Scripture a little bit. It begins first by saying, let us return to the Lord. Now it's interesting to me that the, the, the Scripture would say to people who are known as followers of God, let us return to the Lord. You know what I said when I read that? I began to say to the Lord, wait a minute, where are the, what are the areas in my life where there needs to be a return to spiritual things? What are the areas in my life where there needs to be a return in my thought patterns from carnal things to spiritual things? Where I need to begin to look again through the eyes of the Spirit at the circumstances around me and at the life that I'm living that I need to begin to have a return to the Lord in my heart. I've walked with the Lord for many years. I've known the Lord my entire life. I don't remember a time when I did not know Him. Somehow that understanding of who God was and the fact that I would follow the Lord came to me as a young child, younger than I can consciously remember that I made a covenant and a commitment to walk with God. And yet there is the cry in the heart of the Spirit of God to you and I that would say, return to the Lord. 
And I have discovered in this house of flesh that I'm living in, there's always a place in me that the Holy Spirit would point to that would say, Anthony, right there, you need to return to me in that area of your life. You need to return your heart to me. You need to submit your way to me. You're leaning to your own understanding or you're leaning to the thinking of the world around you or you're buying into the culture and there's a place in your mind that you need to return to the Lord. I want to help you with something. All the challenges that we are facing in the culture that we are living in today, all of the social unrest and the political unrest and all all of the things that we are experiencing uh, today in our culture would be answered in a return to the Lord. I'm telling you that if you fully return your heart to the Lord, there will be no prejudice in you. If you fully return your heart to the Lord, there will be no hatred in you. If you return your heart, if you will fully return to the Lord, then all of those places in your, in your thinking, in, your, in, your, in the framework of who you are, in your mind, in your will, in your emotions, will be, will be healed. And the Lord will return to you as you return to Him. And those things will be addressed. And you will begin to think like He thinks in response to the world that is around you. The greatest tragedy in the world that we live in today is that we have Christians in the earth who, have, uh, who, who do not have a biblical worldview, who do not have God's view of the world around them. They have their own mind. The Bible says that every man is right in his own sight. I'm right and you're right. My truth, your truth. That's the popularity of the day. But I want to help you with something. Every man is right in his own sight, but God is right. And when he is correct, and what I am thinking is contrary to what he is thinking, then I'm the one who's incorrect. So there is a place in me, after all of these years of serving God and working for Him and with Him and preaching and declaring and prophesying and moving among the people of God and loving people and leading people, after all of these years, I find that there is a place in my heart to hear the word, return to the Lord. So let us return to the Lord. I want to challenge you that however close you are to Him, I can say to you today, I know Him. And yet, there is a place in my life that I can hear the words and understand the words, let us return to the Lord. And then this interesting Old Testament passage here, He has torn us and now He will heal us. He has smitten us and now He will revive us. They knew that in their brokenness, that the, 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 the um, difficulty that arose in their life came as a result of their sin. And that God would bring to that broken place a moment of healing and a moment of restoration if they would return to the Lord. So he has torn us and now he will heal us and he has smitten us and now he will revive us. Uh, I want to remind you of some scripture in the New Testament. Hebrews 12, uh, 5 through 7 talks to us about despising not the discipline of the Lord. I've found many times, it's, it's, uh, my father used to teach us this. He, he taught us as children. It's, it's not that God is standing there whenever you uh, make choices that are contrary to the will of the Lord. He's not standing there going, oh, I'm going to get you. It's just that Anytime you make a decision that is contrary to the will of the Lord and to the purposes of God, it's going to produce something that is contrary to the blessing of God in your life. 
He's not standing there manipulating that and making it happen. It's just a matter of truth that if you move contrary to the Lord, that what it produces will be contrary to his blessing. You want to return to the blessing? Return to the Lord. You want to be blessed of the Lord? You want to be healed of the Lord? You, you want Him to heal you? You want Him to revive you? Then return to the Lord. And then the decisions that you will make in the return to the Lord will produce an environment of the blessing of the Lord. He's not standing there going, oh, I got you. He's standing there with a broken heart as we make uh, decisions that are contrary to His purposes and to His plans. He knows what that's going to produce in our life and that's tearing Him up inside like a good father who loves you. Oh, I wish you wouldn't do that. That's going to produce an outcome that you are not prepared for. Return to the Lord. So it says, despise not the disciplines of the Lord. He deals with you as sons. When those things happen, it is the father dealing with us as a son. I love that. The, there was a point in my life. Father's Day makes me think of my father, so I'll just use examples from his leadership. But there was a point in my life where my father ceased to tell me, son, don't do that. And he began to let me make my own decisions and live out of the results of my own decisions. There's a point in your life as a believer where the father stops saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, don't do that. And he knows he's already taught you in his word and he's already conveyed to you his heart and he's already shown you who he is. And then when we begin to make decisions that are contrary to that character and the nature of God, he stands there as a loving father and he waits for us to come to ourselves. That's the disciplines of the Lord. Despise not the disciplines of the Lord. And then in Joel chapter 2, uh, verse 12 through 14, says... Come to him and rend your heart and not your garment. You know, they used to just go before the Lord and they would weep before the Lord and they would cry out to God and they would tear their shirt. I'm not going to do that. If I tore the buttons off my shirt, it would say greatest dad because my t-shirt says that this morning. World's greatest dad. But he says to them in Joel, he says, rend your heart and not your garment. Don't come and make an outward show of your brokenness. Come and be broken. Come and let your heart be broken before me. And then Second Chronicles, we love this. If my people who are called by my name. It's interesting to me that the majority of what the scripture talks about in terms of repentance is directed to the people of God. It's not directed to the world. The, the world, the, the message to the world is come, whosoever will may come, come, just come. But the message to the church is always, if my people who are called by my name, people who say they're followers of me, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Oh man, I don't, I don't particularly enjoy those conversations when the Holy Spirit says, Anthony, that's a wicked way. You need to drop that one out of your life. But if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Let us return to the Lord. Can we as a people say, let us return to the Lord? Let us go on to know him. So then he says, then shall we know, listen to this, I love that statement. Then shall we know 
if we will follow on to know. There's something about the knowledge of the Lord that you need deposited in your life that only comes from you pursuing the knowledge of the Lord. You know what that says to me when he uses that terminology? I love the framework of this sentence. And it doesn't seem to matter which translation you take this out of. You'll come to this conclusion. Then shall we know if we follow on to know him. If we follow on to, Lord, to know the Lord, there are some things he's going to show you that you are not setting out to discover. You're sitting out to discover him. And there's some things that he's going to show you that you didn't know you were going to know. When you set out to know him, you're going to have some discoveries. There's some things about the kingdom of God and the heart of God and the love of God and the character of God and the nature of God that he wants to be a part of who you are. And as you go on to know him, he will allow you a discovery that you didn't even know you were looking for. He will allow you a discovery that you were not aware of. Oh, the Bible teaches us in the New Testament that the kingdom of God is like a field and in that field there's a hidden treasure and we go and we sell all. We just sacrifice everything to take possession of the field because we know in that field there's a treasure. I want to tell you that in pursuing Him there is a treasure that, that is greater than you have discovered in just knowing Him and knowing of Him and knowing who He is as you know Him. There's a larger treasure that He has hidden there for you. As you discover Him, you will know if you will go on to know the Lord. Wow, I'm getting Pentecostal this morning. It's very exciting to me to know the Lord in this fashion. In Hebrews, there's this wonderful thing that you should, you should go and read this passage, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. In your personal study time this week, would you take time to read this? He says this, the apostle says this as he's writing Hebrews, leaving the elementary principles. And he talks about baptism and laying on of hands and all those things. We won't get into that this morning. But he says all those, all those things that we think are so cool are elementary principles. And I find that in the kingdom of God, so many of us live right there at the elementary principles. But the writer of Hebrews says, hey guys, there's a place to go on from here. And he says, let's leave the elementary principles. Let's learn them. Let's get them established in us. Let's let them be a part of who we are. And then let's go on to maturity. God wants to have a mature talk with you about who he is. God wants to have a mature talk with you about life in the kingdom. God wants to have, a, he wants to communicate you, to you some things in maturity that will carry you through your life whenever you are discouraged and whenever you are frustrated and whenever everything around you seems to be coming apart at the seams. There will be a maturity in your walk with him. He wants to communicate himself to you in a way that you are standing on a firm foundation. He has set your feet on a firm foundation. He does not want you easily shaken. Scripture tells us when we go on to maturity that we're no longer like children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by every idea of man that comes along, by everything that blows through. How many know that there are some attitudes and some opinions and some things in the earth that are blowing across the land today and there are people who become gullible and they just grab those things up? That sounds good to me, but it's contrary to the kingdom of God. When you know Him... He puts a foundation under you so that when those things blow through your life, you go, oh, that don't sound like Jesus. That don't look like him. That don't sound like him. That looks good on the surface, but there's something underneath there that doesn't produce life. 
And I don't want anything in my life that doesn't produce life. Come on. I don't want anything in me that doesn't produce life. So Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says this. Thus says the Lord, do not let the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this. Listen to this. That he understands and knows me. Are you, are you hearing what God is saying here? Don't boast in anything else but knowing me. I remember, it's kind of hard to express this, and I don't want to take too much time here, but I remember the point in my life where I felt something change in me and I knew that I went from knowing about God to where I could say, I know him. I know him. Do I know everything there is to know about him? No. Do I know every detail of him? No, but I know his character. I know his heart for me. I know his love for the people of God. I know his love for the flock. I know, I know how he feels about you. I know how he desires his best in our life. I know him. And so in knowing him, when anything is said that doesn't sound like him, I know immediately that is not from him. I know him. That's where he wants to bring us to the place that we know him. So that, so that we're not talking about and conveying. When I'm teaching, I'm not teaching you theory. I'm teaching you because I've experienced him. I'm telling you I know him. And he loves you. So we don't boast in our knowledge. We don't boast in our riches. We don't boast in our wisdom. If we're going to boast in something, we're going to boast in that we know him. That he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love. Would you just receive that for a moment? I think there's somebody here in this room, maybe you're watching today, and, and every time you get in trouble, the enemy comes and he whispers in your ear, and he tries to convince you that God does not love you. But the love of the Lord is steadfast. He doesn't love you today and like you tomorrow and not sure about you three days from now. That's not who he is. When, he, when God says to you, boast in that you understand and know me, what does he point out? That I practice steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For these things I delight in, declares the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? And then the, the, this passage in Hosea chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, these, these verses that we're looking at today conclude with this. He will respond. He knows. We, we repent. We go on to know him. We turn away from our unrighteousness. We, turn to the, we return to the Lord. We go on to know him. And then he will respond to us. I want you to understand something. You don't have God. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I was watching something to do with Bette Midler. It's one of my favorite vocalists, Bette Midler. She's a reprobate, but I love her. <laughs> she sings this song, God is watching us from a distance. He is. There's nothing wrong with that thought. 
except that it doesn't fully convey who he is. Because he's not just watching us from a distance, he's responding. And this says, not just that he will respond in a small way. This is what I want you to understand. God isn't just responding to you in a small way. He's not stepping off at a distance and looking at you and going, oh, that's good, that's my response. Oh, you're doing, doing fine, keep it up. That's, that's not his response. His response is much more than that. He will come to us just as surely as the former rain and the latter rain, just as surely as the rain falls to the earth. Just, in other words, just as surely as the sunrise and the sunset and the rain and the summer and the seasons, just as sure as the rain falls in the beginning of the, mo- of, of the months of rain and at the end of the months of rain, just as surely as it waters the earth, He will respond. He will respond. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Jeremiah 29, 13, he said, If you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I love this passage, Psalm 15. says, Call on the Lord in the day of trouble, and he will deliver. Oh, you got yourself in trouble? He doesn't make any distinction from whether it's trouble someone put on you or trouble you created yourself. I've gotten myself in plenty of trouble. I've made decisions that produced a lot of trouble at times. Call upon the Lord in the day of trouble and he will deliver. Jeremiah 33 and 3 says, Call upon the Lord and I will answer and show you great things that you do not presently know. Not only do I want to answer you and respond to you, I want to begin to show you. This is what I want you to hear in the conversation that God is having with your heart today. I don't just want to respond to you. I don't just want to forgive you of your sin. I want to communicate with you, and I want to show you some things that you do not presently know. Would you respond to him today? Would you return to the Lord? Would you pour your whole heart on him? And would you allow him to come into relationship with you in a way that he's allowing, that he is able to show you some things that you do not presently know? It's interesting to me that the response that the Lord says he's going to have with us when he talks about the former rain and the latter rain and all the blessing that's going to come upon us, when he talks about that, he concludes that thought by saying, I want to show you some things you don't already know. He wants to deliver to you understanding the kingdom of God, of the character of God, of the heart of God toward you, things that you don't already know, things that you're not already convinced of. I think he likes me. No, he wants to convince you that he loves you with a steadfast love.